Welcome to Tuesdays with Andrea. It's the inspiration station for everyday people guiding humanity forward. I'm your host, Andrea Rios McMillan, and every week I pursue conversations that matter with people who can relate to the common struggles we all face. You'll get to know the person behind the profession and find commonality with people of all ages, cultures, and backgrounds. Listen as friends, neighbors, and coworkers offer meaningful, personal explorations of modern life and the values we hold dear, all for the purpose of strengthening and uplifting others. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Tuesdays with Andrea podcast. Today, we have DuPage Medical Group local healthcare heroes, and I'm excited to bring them to the show. Thank you guys for joining. This is Dr. Jason D and Dr. Pretty Amin. Welcome, you guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So the purpose of the show is to uh, recognize your work as local healthcare heroes. You guys are out there um, helping us stay safe and healthy. And we want to also learn some tips from you guys about ways that we can contribute at home to keep ourselves safe, but also questions about if it's safe to go to the doctor right now and from a medical perspective of being our primary care physicians and being the people that we trust with our families and our kids, there's a lot of questions, a lot of uncertainty about what's safe, what's not. Um, And so I just wanted to bring you guys in to clear up some of and start that discussion. So thank you guys for being on the show. And why don't we start with you guys giving us some background on your your professional background and what you guys do uh, for your jobs at work. Okay, Um, I've been with DuPage Medical Group since 1998. I'm an internist and I usually see uh, adult patients. Uh, My partner Pretty sees the kids. So 18 and above is mostly what I see. Um, I'm Dr. Pretty Amin and I've been with DMG now for 20 years. I actually joined in 1999. Dr. D actually hired me. I see kids on newborns from age obviously zero up to about 18 years of age. Once I start going to college, we transition over to the adult side of the medicine. Uh And me and Pretty, we work we, we've been partners for a long time, so we've uh, we've had a we have a great working relationship. She gets them to a certain height, and then after that height, if they get taller than her, then she sends them to me. So that's how they, that's how it works. I have to wait a little bit longer because I'm really short, so they have to get like a couple inches taller. Then then they transfer over. That's right. And just so you guys know, so Dr. Jason D is also my dad, and so thank you, Dad, for coming on the show. I appreciate it. He this is new for him. He he just started with telemedicine, and now he's you know this is his. First podcast appearance. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And Dr. Pretty Amin is also our family pediatrician. And so right now she's a pediatrician to my sister's young children. And these people are the ones that we trust and we go to for all of the uh, medical expertise and advice. And it's different because most COVID conversations, most healthcare conversations right now that I'm seeing focus on the hospital front and rightly so, because that's where the immediate and intensive care action is. Uh, But then from the regular everyday practitioner lens, you guys have a different perspective and you're seeing something different every day. So I'm interested to understand how has this changed your work and what, you know, what has this been like for each of you? Well, the first thing was that uh, like everybody else, I mean, there was a great concern that, you know, who's got it and how infectious is it and how much of a risk to bring my patients here or seeing them. So DuPage Medical Group has been very uh, good about separating our clinics. And so we knew we had to address the, the COVID situation because that 
that particular crisis kind of sucked all the air out of the room. I mean, because that's the dominating problem we have here, right? But people still have diabetes, people still have heart disease, people still have COPD and asthma, people still need to be seen. So how do you take care of those without exposing them needlessly to undue risk? So we did a couple, uh, several things. One, we separated the sites so that some sites are well sites like ours, so that you can come in there. And some sites are sick sites, specifically made for folks who have COVID symptoms. Um, we also screen our patients on the phone. So they're calling up. So if they don't know they have COVID or not, because it, it has a myriad number of symptoms. It's not just the respiratory symptoms. It could be other uh, rash or diarrhea, things like that. So we screen them on the phone. And if it sounds like they might have COVID symptoms, then we send them to one of our um, COVID sites first and have them evaluated there. They're seen there. They stay there for the next 28 days until they're clear. Even if they pass through that screening and they come to our office, we do check all our staff and all of the patients coming in. There's a nurse standing in full protective gear uh, with a thermometer. Um, so hopefully she doesn't scare you, but she's really there for your own protection. We check um, all of the employees and us coming in on our temperatures. All the patients coming in, we check them and we give them a little questionnaire, see if they're okay. And if there's a problem, then we'll read direct them. You're describing the new process for mm -hmm. visitors for the... For our clinic, yes. DuPage Medical Group has been very up in front about medicine. You know, we've actually been offering televisits uh, since 2014, and it has not been something that really has um, gained much attention. But of course, in this scenario and in this situation now, it's really come to the forefront. They've really matched it out where almost 95% of our primary care providers have the ability to do televisits and video visits now, which is there to reach out to those patients that don't feel comfortable coming in or on their individual risk factors. Um, you know, this is a changing field and or a changing time. You know, every every couple of weeks we learn something new and different. And we have, a, it's a multi-layer protection because when you call to make that appointment, you will get screened to see what's an appropriate place for you to go. After that, you know, once that appointment comes, when you come to any of our facilities, um, before you come in, there's also a secondary process, as Jason was explaining there. Mm -hmm. um, and during this time, it's important to keep those primary care appointments or your visits, especially speaking from a pediatric perspective. One of the most common questions I've been getting asked is, should I bring my two-month-old in? Should I bring my yeah. four-month-old in for their routine vaccinations? And again, Illinois Department of Public Health, the CDC, the AAP, they all are recommending keeping up with our routine vaccinations. Because during this time of COVID, it's important that we prevent the illnesses that we can. And these are vaccines that we are giving that are life-saving for children and to avoid complications. And again, we're taking all these precautions for the safety of not only of our providers, our staff, but also our patients as well. When you do come in now, everybody is masked. So um, now somebody's going to ask, how are you going to mask a two-month-old? Obviously, we're not going to mask the two-month-old. Um, but for kids younger than two or kids that are in carriers, we recommend that you keep that blanket over them or, you know, something that just a light covering over them. Mm -hmm. For kids two and above, we're masking everybody. Now we realize that a three-year-old, right, I mean, if any of us have children, it's a 50-50 gambit on that three-year-old trying to keep that mask on. So we, we're doing our best in that situation. I think that's part of this is you need to have that fluidness. Our special needs patients um, that cannot tolerate a mask, again, that's another population we need to be understanding. That's why the rest of us who can wear a mask need to wear a mask. We also limit the number of foot traffic that we have in our offices. 
Um, I'm not sure about the adult end, but in the pediatric end, you get one support person. So both parents, like the whole family is no longer coming in. And that's something we miss, but it's mm-hmm. something we need to know. I don't know, Jason, what are they, are they doing that for on the, the adult for side? For the adult well? side, it's just the patient themselves. Um, but if they need a translator or if it's uh, someone who maybe they're, his, they're not real good historians and they need a family member to help come along to help either with translation or just to help clarify their history a little bit, um, I will have them bring one support person with them too. Because sometimes you do need that to get the whole story. There's this fear right now of people going to the doctor and really wanting to be exposed because what we think from our you know at home lens as regular civilians in, you know, out here is that's where, that's where the sick people go is to the doctor and to the hospital. And that's the last place I want to go. But what's the risk of us going to a medical uh, group versus going to the hospital? And then to that point, if we go to the medical group, what are those things that we should be going for? And what can we stay at home and use the telemedicine and virtual appointments for? For my end, um, you know, going to see us at uh, a clean site is, is definitely lower risk than going to the emergency room or the hospital because it's even though they try to uh, partition and use full protective gear, and I know they're, they're doing all that, it's still very difficult to, if it's, you know that there's COVID patients coming through, that to, to completely separate that. So ours is uh, most likely safer. Before all this, I'd done exactly zero video visits, right? And now it's, uh, I'll do like five or six a day uh, in the office there. So it's almost a third of my patients. Now, as the, the, the numbers of the COVID have peaked, the word has gotten out that we're a clean site, I think I'm seeing more in-person visits. In the end, I would really much rather see you in person when I'm looking at you through a screen and you're trying to show me a rash or you're trying to show me the back of your throat. It really doesn't show up that well. And mm-hmm. also depending on your in- internet connection, I sometimes don't get all of what you're trying to say to me. So I would rather see you in person. However, I do know that, you know, there's patients of mine who are going through chemotherapy. There's patients of mine who have bad asthma or COPD, and maybe I wouldn't want to increase the risk there. So there is a home kit that I ask people to have so that we can do some of our visits. I can't replace all the visits, but some of the visits to there. Um, Having a home blood pressure cuff, having a home thermometer, um, having a glucometer if you're diabetic are helpful things so that we can talk about it um, on a video visit. And then what I can do is have you bring your blood pressure cuff on your next visit just to calibrate it with mine to make sure it's accurate. And so that we, and then we get rid of the white coat hypertension syndrome as well. But is that something that most people have with them, right? A lot of folks do have a thermometer. Well, a thermometer, but what about the blood pressure cuff and those are, that other device that you mentioned? Or is that something that's common? Can we buy it off of Amazon? Yes, you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the one that I use in my office, actually, I bought it from Amazon. It's an Omron. And it's been used in a lot of studies as well, too. And they make, um, whether, whether you buy a CVS or Walgreens branded one, they're made by Omron or Sunbeam. They just put another brand on them usually. Uh, but it, it's a, that's a good one. It usually costs about $60 to get a decent home blood pressure cuff. And most of my patients that are um, have high blood pressure medicines or cholesterol meds or heart disease, they have a home blood pressure cuff. I already asked them to get one. Uh, most of my patients, well, mo- I hope all of my patients who are diabetics have a glucometer. So, mm-hmm. they, and so they would have those things already. So for pediatrics, we were thermometer lovers. We definitely would like for you to have a thermometer at home. Um, a scale is nice for some of our older kids. So at least we can get weights and see what's going 
on with them. Um, I think for our well visits in pediatrics, it's a little bit different than adults. We, we need to see the kids because they're changing. Unfortunately, we cannot hear their heartbeat over telemedicine, no matter how good we get with it. But mm -hmm. visits, are, um, if people don't feel comfortable coming in, uh, rashes. So again, as Jason said, everything is easier in person. Obviously, there's that little connection we get to see people. Um, a lot of teens that are, if you're struggling with anxiety or depression, that may be a good telemedicine visit. Behavior issues we can do over telemedicine. Um, we're actually doing some sick visits. Like for example, I recently had a child who had a superficial burn. That was something we could see. Diaper rashes are very common over the telemedicine. I think anything that can give us a sense more for the ill visits or when they're not feeling well is, is this something that acutely needs to come in and be seen by somebody? Or, is, or we can we do some trial things at home mm -hmm. and then see how that develops, you know? And, and I think each case has to be taken individually. As Jason said, if you are living in a home with people that have high risk, because most kids are not high risk. In general, we've been fortunate that this illness has not truly affected kids. You know, I mean, there are certain high risk populations of children, obviously, mm -hmm. but overall, this is to be more for the elderly and the immune compromised or comorbidities. So if you have a child who's living in a home with somebody who has multiple risk factors and they have a diaper rash, that might be a good telemedicine visit, you know, yeah. to initially start. And if that's not improving, then that's something that we'll need to see you then. Mm -hmm. And for telemedicine visits, is there anything that we need uh, to, to, to know before we, we have that visit with you guys? Do we have to have our, our basic vitals already ready to go? Um, or are we just really just having a conversation? Here's These are the symptoms I'm experiencing. And if we're able to show you visually through the computer, great. Is that what it's for, is, is really to have that, that upfront communication piece? It is. And I think some basic things that would be handy is if you've taken your temperature, Mm -hmm. That's always handy to know. Um, whatever medicines you're using, maybe have those easily available because okay. I found that's been helpful when somebody tells me I'm using this over-the-counter cold medicine. I would love to tell you that I know the ingredients in every single one, but if anybody's walked down that cold medicine shelf, it's a little yeah. overwhelming even when a you're out of options. <laughs> you know. And if so you're taking is, any supplements. Yeah, so I think having what you use and take with you to have that handy mm -hmm. um, is helpful. If it is a rash that's been going on for a couple of days or something, if you've gotten pictures from before, you can upload those on so we can see those mm -hmm. um, to document it. And if you think about it like you're telling a story, so if you have a few minutes to think about like how long has this been going on, you know, how much is it affecting you, when is it worse, mm -hmm. those kind of questions like who what when story. where why yes five w's <laughs> five w's um if it is an ill visit we are going to ask you about covid exposure clearly yeah. especially at this time so we're going to have you think about is there anybody that you could have had exposure with um what is your routine have you been going to the stores? Have you been wearing your face masks? And these are not judgmental questions. These are questions for us to gain information. Everybody's situation is different. Mm -hmm. Everybody, and, and I think that's what we're, in all of this, we, we have a lot of general rules, but we have to look at each individual mm -hmm. for that individual and that family. But those are the questions that we're asking. And you mentioned COVID-19. Let's talk about that and get into 
like how likely are we to get COVID-19 now? And what's the state of the spread in, in our area? Is it increasing? Is it going down? Is the stay at home working? Have you noticed decrease in symptoms from patients who are going to you? As far as your like risk, because COVID-19, like a lot of folks have mild to no symptoms, I couldn't tell you how likely you are walking down the street to get it then, right? So the only thing I could speak to is that, is the social distancing, is the stay at home, is the other stuff working? Yes, because you can see that the, the numbers are plateauing um, and hopefully we'll see a decrease soon and then they can start to like open things up. And I would love to have people like just be able to like go out and do stuff again, you know, and with and even if we do within, uh, hopefully there'll still be some guidelines like wearing face masks and social distancing still in place to allow our economy to restart and people to do things that they would love to, to get out and do things they'd like to do uh, while minimizing our risks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that um, it's an individual thing. I think that right now, if you're following the precautions, you help decrease your risk. But I think, unfortunately, none of us can give you a percentage mm-hmm. on what your chances are. What are some signs that you sh- that we should look out for? What are those immediate signs now that we should be aware of? From your perspective, what are the the main ones that you guys look out for? Um, You won't feel well. I mean, you'll know when you're feeling your usual self and when you don't feel quite right, right? So what'll happen any sort of infectious disease when you're feeling sick is that your energy goes down. You don't feel right. Your body aches. Um, you You don't feel like doing the things you could normally do. And then, you know, you might have some of the respiratory symptoms, but, you, but you'll know beforehand that you just don't feel well. And that's a good time to have a conversation with us, whether in, um, on the phone or, or on video visit. Um, I would love for you to have a thermometer and blood pressure cuff, et cetera, like I said that. But having said that, I don't want you to get all nervous and hung up about that. Just talk to me. I'd love to see your face and just we'll, we'll talk about it and I'll ask you the questions, what I'm supposed to do anyway. And, and we'll figure out, that's if are you sick or are you well? Because that's the primary thing we want to know anyway. Mm-hmm. And once we determine that you're sick, are you COVID sick or are you sick from something else? Well, let's, we'll, we'll talk it over and see what we can do. I think um, in kids, we're looking at fevers. Um, if you have a fever, a cough, shortness of breath, you know, if you're working hard to breathe, uh, you know, abdominal pain, diarrhea has also been associated with it. And they are noticing um, for there has been something about the COVID rash and that typically comes after the illness or it could be with it. So I think fever, rash, uh, cough, shortness of breath are all reasons to touch base. And then Jason, for for, for adults, is Mm -hmm. shortness of breath still another one of those main symptoms? There's a, yeah, there's some specific symptoms like temperature greater than 100.4. Um, shortness of breath, cough, body aches. Yeah, I say that. Um, however, I do know that for my older patients, um, older patients don't reliably get a good fever sometimes. Older patients don't reliably get a good cough because the muscles and their airways and their immune system is just not the same as when you're younger. So sometimes you don't manifest those symptoms. All you know is that that's why I was so general about it. Sometimes you just don't feel right. 
That's why we had that talk. And recently, Chris Cuomo, J.K. Rowling, uh, they've had COVID-19 symptoms and they were advised by health professionals that they should do deep breathing exercises to, to beat the condition. What is your guys' take on that? Is, is that treatment effective? Does it help? Have you guys heard anything along the lines of, of breathing to be able to, to help uh, build lung capacity or, or allow the body to get more oxygen? Is that proven um, effective? Is there any science behind that? I think that improving ventilation to your lungs is always important. And studies have shown that, you know, if you have good ventilation, you're less likely to get pneumonia and you can recover from pneumonia faster. That's why after surgeries, we give you this little uh, canister device called an incentive spirometer. And we make you do deep breathing exercises after your appendectomy or after your knee replacement, because we want to prevent you from building up fluid in your lungs, which would promote pneumonia development there. Mm -hmm. So deep breathing does help. And having said that, how do you do deep breathing, right? So we always tell folks that it's one second in, two seconds out, or your exhalation should always be twice what your inhalation is. Um, If you exercise regularly, Uh, If you lift weights, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, When you're bench pressing, for example, as the bar comes down, you'll take a breath in. And as you're pushing out and doing your maximum effort, you will take two seconds to like breathe out as you're pushing out. How often should you do it? You know, they say that if you do some cardio 150 minutes, that's the American Heart Association says that per week, that's a good over um, split over three times a week. That's a good uh, start to do it. And if you want to do deep breathing, like watching TV, go ahead and do that. Like I said, it's like one second in, two seconds out for about a minute. Don't go over that. Why? Because you'll hyperventilate. You'll get the dizziness, the palpitations and the headaches. You see stars. (laughs) Yes. You don't want to hyperventilate. Then you'll feel worse. And I think for inherently it makes sense that the deeper breaths you take, the more you open up your airway. And in kids, that's one of the reasons why we don't use a lot of cough suppressants because we want kids to cough. When you cough, you open up those airways, you take a deeper breath. Oh, you want kids to cough. Yes, coughing is actually good for you. There's a reason, I always tell parents, there's a reason why our body does the responses it does. That's interesting. I have never heard that one before. Now, there's always a balance. If you're coughing all night and getting no rest, obviously, then you know there's a balance between those. But mm-hmm. in general, I do tell parents, our goal is not to suppress the cough completely. So it is good to cough. Um, for kids who have bad colds or when they're younger, there's uh, something to percussion where you just literally, I don't know if this is a video chip, but you just take cup your hand and you just pat their back. Oh, yeah. If you think about our parents, our previous yeah. generation has just was- patted us on the back on, on all sides. And there is actually something to that. And now cystic fibrosis, actually, they have a whole system to try to help with drainage and things. So I don't think you need to pick a complicated way to do it. Just pat your yeah. child's back if they're coughing a little. I think deep breaths and kids think of it more as meditation. You know, when you meditate, you are focusing on your breathing. You're focusing on taking bigger breaths and blowing it out. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of benefits to that. So not just from that COVID-19 for your respiratory lungs, but also for your mental health. I want to ask you a question about this mysterious illness that's been popping up and I've gotten a few yeah. emails about it. Uh, and it's it's a mysterious illness affecting kids and that is possibly linked to COVID, but it has symptoms similar to Kawasaki disease. So I wanted to know, have you heard about that? Is it something I need to be afraid of? Do I need to monitor any specific symptoms for my kids? Does it spread? Um, so I'm just in, interested in your viewpoint on this. 
you know, one of the things that people should take faith in this medical community of ours, the DuPage Medical Group, and just the general medical community in this time of our internet and our ability to connect with many people is that these are informations that are coming frequently, like we're getting updated on things. So I just had a pediatric meeting last week where we or appraised of it, got some input from local areas and things. So this is a relatively new thing. So Kawasaki has been here for a long time and we've always been unclear of the etiology. We don't have good answers. Everybody has theories on it, but it is something that um, unfortunately we can't tell you who's going to get it, who's not. What we do know is very rare and it's treatable. You know, it's looking for the signs and symptoms. This new mysterious illness has a lot of similarities to Kawasaki. It hasn't bared fruit completely. Some of the cases have been associated with COVID. Some have not. So it is unclear. This is an emerging thing. The numbers mm-hmm. are extremely low when you look at this. So I, would I tell you, should you worry about this? Um, I always think it, that is a tr- question from parents because we will always worry about our children. But I think yeah. this is a very low worry. You know, this is not okay. you specifically to go avoid. There's nothing different. What you should do is follow general healthy rules, follow the things that we've been telling you with the COVID. Things to look for. If your child has a prolonged fever for more than four to five days, they have inflamed eyes, they have lots of vomiting, diarrhea, they're looking very ill. Those are things we want you to get care for. We want you to touch base with us earlier than later. Our biggest fear as pediatricians is that people will not seek care. And I've had to address this a few times with telemedicine where they'll, you know, see a child and I'll be like, they need to be assessed. You need to go in. Yeah. Like, I don't want to take the risk. I don't want to take the risk. And and remember, again, COVID-19, especially in children, has been bearing out overall that they do well. And what we shouldn't do in all of this illness that we have is forget normal things, you know, Mm -hmm. like people get appendicitis, people get heart attacks, children get other viral illnesses that may need to be. Yeah, COVID is still a very small percentage of the the patients that you treat. Correct. And there's so many things that we can treat and we do well with that we should not ignore those signs. You know, we shouldn't let the fear of that interfere with getting care. And Mm -hmm. All these precautions are in place to minimize the risk. Right. And that is the most important thing. And if you are afraid or concerned, please, if you do not feel it, you can come in. Reach out by telemedicine. Make sure you reach mm-hmm. out. Let's talk about how we can stay safe, healthy in our home. Actually, before we get on that discussion, I do want to stick one more time on the mask question because we talked about masks a little bit earlier. They are mandatory now. We need okay. to wear them and kids need to wear them when we go outside. Uh, Can they do more harm than good? Is there a proper way we should be washing them? Is there any precautions that we should know about mask maintenance and maybe some some specific don'ts regarding wearing masks? Well, I would say this mask, there's so many different kinds. There's N95 masks, there's cloth masks, all the way down to cloth masks. You make it home, some homemade masks and bandanas. You know, everyone's using different masks. That's kind of what I use sometimes as a bandana. In theory, I mean, if you if I put you in a room wearing any of those masks and I put like a virus in there, would it stop the virus if it was floating around the air? No, it can't actually penetrate the mask, actually. So none of those masks actually will stop because a, vi- a virus is, uh, is much smaller than the mask's um, filtering abilities, actually. Uh-huh. So what's the point of having the mask? Well, actually, the mask is there to protect everyone from you. 
you know? So having, a, having everybody wear a mask does two things. One, it prevents your droplets from getting onto the shopping cart or the gro- uh, grocery store aisle or keyboards or whatever then. Um, and so therefore, if everyone like hangs onto their own droplets, then your risk of transmission is much less. It doesn't get a chance to aerosolize into the air then. And so that, that's really helpful for everybody else. And the second thing is, let's say you're sick and you don't know it. Uh, you, have a, you think it's allergies, you think it's a minor cold, it's not COVID, or maybe you don't have any symptoms at all, right? If you, it doesn't stigmatize anyone to wear a mask then, because we're all wearing masks. You know, yeah. then nobody's going to avoid you because you look like you're sniffling or you're sneezing or something like that, especially in allergy season. If everyone wears masks, then nobody's going to feel like somebody else is, you know, should be avoided. So and I agree. I think you do need to wear a mask when you are out in public or if you are going grocery shopping. Again, with children, it is a challenge to keep a mask on. At this time, we recommend to if you don't need to take your kids with you, don't take them with you. you know, there really is. You know, now there are people and individuals that um, may not be able to leave a child at home, a single mom, mm-hmm. you know, and she is unable to get a babysitter or does not have anybody who can watch that child. So you may see a child at a grocery store. Um, so I, I do, you know, but if we can make sure that child is wearing a mask, children touch everything, possibly maybe have them wear gloves, um, you know, you can make them wear their winter gloves to keep mm-hmm. them from touching everything. So that way it can help cut down the risk. So nothing is going to be perfect, but again, we're looking to minimize that spread. I think what's also important to remember, I know I've had to remind my kids, just because you wear a mask does not mean you then don't socially distance. You must mm-hmm. still socially distance by six feet. One thing I would say about masks, if you're wearing one, try not to touch your mask. That's the way yeah. it's going to get yes. onto your hands, then it gets on there. So because that mask is the barrier hanging onto all your droplets, right? As far as washing your mask, yeah, go ahead and wash your mask. Until, uh, but, you know, until it falls apart, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but and, you know, and it, within reason. your nose. Yes. Oh, yes. your nose. Okay. Your, your mask must cover your nose and your mouth <laughs> to be effective. Right. You know, yes. but when you wear it for a while, it's it's almost like I can't breathe. Like I, can't, I, I just can't mm-hmm. inhale the same amount of air. So remember that when you're outside and you're exercising, as long as you're keeping distance, you do not need to wear a mask in that situation. But I do recommend you take the mask with you if you should end up being at a stoplight where everybody's trying to cross the street or something like that. You know, as you talked about, try not to touch your mask. Um, Trust me, all of us healthcare providers have (laughs) really practiced this skill. Um, You know, try to use your hands to take your mask off from behind, like with your the bands that go behind your ears, instead of doing like this. Or if you do need to adjust it, because I actually had a mask on that was kind of like riding up by my eyes. I'm like, I can't see, you know, Um, to take it by the edges Mm. and to pull down, you know, or at top, but not to like, as Jason said touch your whole mask in front of you. Now, if you accidentally touch your mask, right, no need to go screaming all over the place, just hand sanitize, wash your hands, right? Like, we just need to remember all the things we've been telling our kids and everybody else for years on end. Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, try not to touch your face, try not to bite on pencils. Let's go on to this topic of, of our immune system. That to some point, isn't it, don't we still want to be touching things outside and, and still getting, you know, samples of, 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 you know, I guess bacteria that's out in the world that's, that would help grow our, our immune system and keep us healthy. Can you guys talk about um, the immune system and ways that we can boost it 
because we are in a bubble now and we're not being exposed as much. So what can we do to boost our immune systems while we're at home? Don't worry. Just because you're wearing a mask doesn't mean you're not exposed to everything. Mm-hmm. All yeah, the mask does <laughs> is prevent your droplets from getting to everybody else. But you are getting exposed to like every also, pollen and allergen and bacteria out there still. That's really what it does. And remember, our mouth has a tons of bacteria. Every time you brush your teeth, you're actually making your immune system work. And you're still exposed to everybody in your home and that. So I don't think you need to do anything additional to boost your immune system, but good things to boost your immune system as to exercise. We know that has benefits for your immune system, good sleep, Mm -hmm. um, making sure that uh, you're getting an adequate amount of sleep. So for my teens, for example, you know, I guess the nice thing about all of this is we've always promoted that teenagers always go to bed late and they wake up late and our high schools were starting so early. We had a lot of kids that were sleep deprived. They're rested now. They're rested, but we do need to make sure that they're staying rested properly. So I have mm-hmm. scenarios, for example, of children that aren't going to bed till one or two o'clock in the morning, and then they're waking up for like a Zoom class at nine, and then they're sleeping for three hours in the afternoon, and then they're napping throughout the day. And you know, so <laughs> yeah. that, that may not be as good. You may not feel well after doing that. So there, you need to get that continuous sleep for eight to 10 hours. So yes, your team will go to bed later, but maybe not 2 a.m. You know, maybe it's yeah. more like 11. <laughs> a lot of my adult patients have problems with insomnia, probably because in their teenage years, they did that sort of stuff, right? So we always emphasize what's called good sleep hygiene. That means you try to go to bed at the same time every night, try to get about six to eight hours of sleep, whatever your body actually wants. And you wake up at around the same time too. So if you you establish your, your body clock so that it's regular, you know, mm-hmm. so that if you have that, then you'll find it easier to get to sleep all the time because your body knows it's time to go to sleep and you'll find it easier to wake up at that point in time as well too. Instead of getting like naps here and there, we want to try to establish a more regular pattern. And then your ritual of getting to sleep is always the same. You know, you're, you're, you're not, you're going to turn off your screens. You're going to, um, you might do whatever you're going to do until you get sleepy, like read a bit or, or watch your TV, but then you turn off the TV you have a darkened room, you go to the same place, you go to bed at the same time, and you wake up at the same time. Having good sleep hygiene goes a long way towards preventing sleep problems later on. And for children especially, it's important to cut off those electronics earlier. The general recommendation is one hour prior to bedtime, um, which is very difficult to do. Very it, hard it to do. Yeah, It's hard to do as an adult. I mean, it is the struggle, but I think it's worth that struggle. And especially if you have a a teenager or a child that is truly having sleep issues and that, and it is something that's worth investing in because sleep is, is key to your immune system. And then lastly, just eating healthy, trying to have a well varied balance in your diet. Um, I always try to encourage children to eat the rainbow on their fruits and vegetables, meaning different colors of vegetables yeah. or things. I think when we overcomplicate it. And then they eat Skittles. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had a child tell me that yet, but you know, they will. Uh, I do tell people it has to look like a fruit or a vegetable. <laughs> so I think just, uh, you know, and then get outdoors a little bit, you know, get some sunshine, walk around a little. Those, those are good mental health immunity. It's funny you say that because about a month ago, two months ago, when this first started, it's like, you want to go for a walk? No, I don't want to go for a walk. You want to go for a walk now? Oh my God, let's go for a walk. Let's go outside. So the the boys, they actually love going out because that's their only outside time. Um, And so that's where, you know, we're able to get 
some, some fresh air, um, but it's very important. It does wonders for the mind, does wonders just for clarity and getting some relief, I think, from in, being indoors. Oh, I was going to say, I was wondering if all the dogs in America are getting skinnier by all the walks they get to go on now. Oh, dogs are winning. Dogs are the true winner in all of this, I think, right? Dogs are just like, yes, my owner is home with me now and I get walks consistently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's talk about stress. And a lot of people have been under stress so much more than usual, especially the last two months. How does that manifest in our bodies? What are some things that we can say, you know what, this is a stress thing. This maybe isn't anything deeper than just I'm stressed out and my body is physically now trying to, trying to warn me. I need to find more ways to kind of self-soothe or self-cope or, or manage this. Stress comes out in a lot of ways, Uh, increased blood pressure, poor sleep, uh, decreased or increased appetite, um, higher blood sugars, uh, and then a lowered immune system. So all those things can happen. Uh, And because it's such a, uh, the symptoms are so general, it's hard to say that anything's due to stress. I think it contributes to a lot of like conditions, morbidity and mortality, like hypertension, your blood sugar and diabetes, your respiratory symptoms and asthma, things like that. Of course, it'll make all of it makes it makes it all worse. In any condition that I'm treating, if I saw you for asthma or diabetes or high blood pressure, we'll have a talk about how stress is affecting your life and, and how you're coping with stress right now. So that if you can cope with that better, you'll be able to cope with your, with your primary condition better too. Mm-hmm. And, and ways to do that, as Pretty was talking about, getting out there, um, get uh, going for walks, uh, social interaction at a safe distance, you know, um, getting a hobby. And, and right now, since you can't go to a restaurant, learning how to cook a healthy meal for yourself is, is all those are good things. Mm-hmm. Pretty, have you noticed any? Uh- differences with kids right now because they're not at school they got you know a lot of them had are are still dealing with being at home full time and then dealing with the virtual learning it's a lot on kids too well my my fifth grader told me I'm an awful teacher I've been told that (laughs) twice this week so I'm gonna have a parent teacher conference I've decided it's it's hard right (laughs) because you are literally wearing both roles you're being teacher and then doctor full time oh my gosh But I would say um, it depends on the age of the child and it really depends on that kid. So there's a lot of variabilities, but in kids, a lot of times what you'll see is you may see insomnia where they are not sleeping well. Mm -hmm. Um, You might see bad dreams, common, common symptoms, especially in younger children, is they'll complain that their tummy hurts or their head hurts. You know, those are common complaints Mm -hmm. of stress in younger kids. Um, You will see irritability in teenagers, especially. I sometimes think as an adult, I show it that way, but especially in teens, just they're irritable. You know, they're already, teens are a little prickly to begin with mm-hmm. at times. You it's know, a good word I, for it, prickly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, there's a great saying that uh, trying to raise teenage boys is like trying to hug cactuses and <laughs> you just kind of yeah, get yeah. a little back. Uh, uh, we'll come back to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and kids will show regression in their behavior too. So, you know, something that they used to be doing, they won't do as well. So if you have a toddler, for example, they may have more accidents with pain. Um, you know, they're spilling more things. They suddenly can't remember how to do something. Older kids may show like, like they show an ability to actually learn something and they can't vocalize. I miss my friends or I miss this or this is hard, you know? So I encourage parents that, 
uh, when we are dealing with our children, sometimes it's just good to take a, mo a moment break from it and to realize it's not going to be like this always, that you don't always have to get to the root cause. Um, I'm guilty of also doing this with my children. I'll be like, what's wrong? Tell me what's bothering you. Like, just spit it out. I love that you, you just said that. You don't always yeah. have to get to the root cause. Yes. I need to know why. I need to know that I need to know who hurt you. <laughs> Right. What's and, going and on in your brain? That's a physician part of me that comes through. Like, I'm supposed to find a solution to everything. And I'm yeah. a pediatrician. Man, I really should know how your brain ticks, you know, and, and you just don't know. And, and I think what we have to remember is they don't know. They actually don't know what's bothering them. Yeah, too. they don't. You're right. They absolutely don't know. No. So as many times as you ask, well, why'd you pee on the floor? They're going to be like, I don't know. You know, and you're like, okay. And you just have to accept they just don't. No. Um, and change is hard. And what we encourage is you don't necessarily need to, they're going to hear things. They know mm -hmm. something's up. They're very smart about that, you know? So it might be better, like, if your kid, you know, that they're kind of worried about it, maybe just even asking them, like, well, what do you know about COVID-19? Like, what are you what are you afraid of about it? Or what are you worried about it? You know, sometimes I'll be like, oh, and they'll be like, nothing, nothing. I'm not worried about anything. And I'll be like, oh, okay. Have your friends been worried about anything? Like, have they said anything? Because sometimes that's a way yeah. to get to questions that are kind of coming An indirect question. Yeah. Yes. You know, to ask them. And I think it's fair to say like, I, you know, mom's frustrated with this. I'm tired with this too. But, you know, we're, we're keeping everybody safe because sometimes kids will ask like, am I safe? And I always tell parents, we must reassure our kids. Yes, you are safe. We are doing all these precautions to make sure. Remind kids they're being the superheroes, not, not just the doctors and the nurses that are heroes. The kids are being heroes. They're being heroes because they're not going to school. And they're not getting to play with their friends. And they're wearing a mask. And they're making a difference. They're helping keep our community safe. So empower them that they are making a difference and they are helping in as hard as it is. Yeah, that's a great, a great point. job they're doing with it. Because I don't, I, I don't think I've given any credit to them on that front. Like, oh, you are doing your job. You're yes. making a difference. Uh, I've done that for almost every other person or group, but not to my kids. And that's an important right. distinction that you just made there. I, I think we gotta, we gotta empower them with it. So um, I have a few questions from different age groups. I'm gonna ask you, pretty. Okay. Well, it, it's from them, so I'll just let you answer it however you want. Uh, this is from a seven-year-old. Why does it okay. make some people so much sicker other than other people? And this is, they're specifically referring to COVID here. So why does yeah. it make some people so much sicker than others? That's from a seven-year-old. So because every person is made a little bit differently. I flip it and I would, um, I would say like, well, you know, some people can play the piano better than others, no matter how much of two people practice as well. Some are better at it. Some people are better at reading at seven versus other kids in your class. You know, if you look at your classroom of your friends, each one of you is better at something than somebody else's. Mm -hmm. And certain things in our body put us at more risk for it. So unfortunately, older people, their bodies have worked really hard at their immune system. They've been working for a long, long time. So that virus tends to get them in trouble a little bit more. Think of it like a car. The newer cars run a little mm -hmm. faster and a little smoother, or the older cars are a little bumpier. If they're on a bad road, they might get a flat tire a little quicker than us. Okay. That one's a good one. Uh, this is from a nine-year-old. Do you think summer will be canceled because of this? 
Summer can't be canceled because it comes every year. Even in Illinois, we get summer. The sun will come out at <laughs> some point. The weather will get better. I think our summer will look different. You know, I think that it may not be the same type of summers we've had in the past. And, and we can be sad about that, but there'll be some good things that will come from that summer. We may spend less time running to games. We may get to do different activities with it. I think that some summer camps are going to be canceled. So activities that we used to do, we may need to do them differently. We need to do it by Zoom. But if we keep doing our job, then we have by staying indoors, doing what we need to, we improve the chances of us being able to do more and more things. I'm, I'm glad you answered that question because when I was... That was from my son's friend. And I'm like, yeah, summer's canceled. <laughs> summer is canceled. <laughs> well, my, like my son is really sad about summer swim, you know, and yeah. um, I think there's a good chance we're not having summer swim and mm. uh, we'll see. Our, our summer swim team is doing a great job of like trying to come up with some activities. But I looked at him and I go, I think this music is just going to have a lot more water balloon fights and sprinklers going on outside. And uh -huh. the slip and slide. Yes. Yeah, to bust out that old slip and slide again. <laughs> and I'm like, if we just do a lot of sit ups, it will feel like we're doing swim team again because we'll be sore <laughs> from swimming. Yeah, there's ways to get the water and there's we're going to have the sun and and we'll probably be home and at least enjoy some of that time that we probably might not have um, enjoyed together um, if if we weren't all home together. Yeah, and, and I think it's important to acknowledge that they're feeling sad and to say it's okay yeah. to be sad. But here's some other things that we're going to do. You know, it balances it out a little bit. I think when we talk, don't be sad. It's not a big deal. You know, it. It's a big deal to uh, whatever is personal to us is a big deal to us, you know, and I think that's what we just need to remember. Mm -hmm. And then the final question, this is from an 11 year old. Why can't I just play with my friends? They've been, you know, inside as well. Why can't I just play with them? They're right here next door neighbors. Why can't we just play? Because we also have other viruses. So somebody in that home is going out. And, you know, even though we're, we're trying to be as bubbled as we are, we're not 100% bubbled. And so we, we do not want to, again, spread something to somebody else. However, you can try to be creative, possibly. Um, I know in our neighborhood, lots of the sidewalk chalk messages are going on. Um, yesterday, my boys were playing outside. They were keeping their six-foot distance because usually one of somebody's out there watching just to make sure mm -hmm. um, the kids all had their gloves on while they were doing and each child had their own basketball and they were doing running around the cul-de-sac checking their basketball skills <laughs> um, and timing each other so they were staying socially distanced still yeah. talking you know and being able to communicate um, but I think it's really important to that again, to tell them that it's hard to understand, but we do need to keep that distance because we are still spreading other germs that we need to be careful of. Mm -hmm. We adjust. And, yeah. I mean, we play horse. We don't play basketball. Right. Yes. There, there's games that you can play or adjustments you can make no. to make the old games that you played safer and accommodate uh, the rules that we have for safety now while still being able to be outside. And, um, you know, and I've told some of my older, or what I've told my kids as well, I'm like, you know, we, we've gone through this once before, something similar when the 1918 pandemic hit. And I go, and at that time I go, but we managed to get past it, you know, that that mm -hmm. came forward and we had less, less medicines, less technology, less devices. Um, less information, so, less information. And, it, you know, and so as awful as this is, there are some positives that are in here as well. 
And I, it's important to look at those positives as well. Mm -hmm. And then the final question I wanted to ask you guys, uh, when I go to the doctor and as a woman, uh, one of the questions that I always see is, you know, are you okay? Do you feel okay? You know, the, the, the intake forms, uh, there's, there's always that question. Do you feel okay? Is your mood okay? Are you being abused at home? And, and there's kind of those pre-screening questions on how, what's the household arrangement like? And right now domestic violence is like spiking and we're seeing a lot of reports around this with people staying at home. From your guys' perspective, and you're, you're not seeing as many patients uh, initially during the whole fear of, of, of people not wanting to go to the doctor at first, what are some ways that people um, who are at home can stay safe or if they are in a position where they're maybe more, more fearful or worried, uh, can they still reach out to your office? Is, what's your recommendation for that? There are resources for that. And yes, since people are confined to their houses, the, the, the big thing is that there's an increase in domestic violence or uh, child abuse, things like that. So um, for, for the, from the adult standpoint, domestic violence, things like that, um, you can certainly reach out to your uh, local police department or fire department and, and also us. We do have, um, it's called Common Ground and it's a shelter for abused and battered women and we have those resources and we have other resources we can give you the numbers of as well, or you could reach out to that. You can get them on directly. Um, as far as like <clears throat> doing a video visit with me about that, if your abuser is at home with you, that could be problematic. So maybe coming to see us or, or finding, uh, uh, doing a visit from somewhere else would be helpful too. But either way, if there's any concern, let us know. And we can at least, even if we can't help you directly, we can get you set up with the resources to help you. You know, mm -hmm. we do run into those situations once in a rare while out here. Mm -hmm. And if you're in immediate distress um, or in a situation that's acutely unstable, call 911. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, get that immediate help. I guess I don't deal directly with domestic abuse. I will occasionally have a mom open up to that. I, I don't see that happening as much on a televisit, as Jason said, because you're probably at home with your, with your abuser family. and in that situation. So yeah. it might be a little bit more difficult. Um, with the children, if we still, if we notice anything or see anything that we're suspecting, then we will report that mm -hmm. and get that investigated still. Um, it's important to take breathers. I think even the best of families are stressed in these circumstances. You can love your family and still be irritated with them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think we've all, like, you know, done that Hold type it. of mm -hmm. thing. So I think it's important to have have some breathers, have some maybe, like, you know, I've, I've told parents with their kids, maybe have a funny word as your break word, like I just need a, a break or coming back to it. You know, um, I, like my fifth grader one the other day told me I wasn't a, a good teacher um, you know, and he was just crying and I finally looked at him. I'm like, I go, it just looks like it's a quarantine bad day today, huh? I go, is today your bad day? I go, we, we can call it a bad day. Yeah, I'm like, give you a pass. Yeah, I go, let's call it a bad day. I go, let's, you know, if you just need to cry for an hour and just be mopey for an hour, we can do that. And I go, and then we can figure out something else we're going to do. You know, because mm -hmm. sometimes we just let them mope for a while. It's a little bit easier to move, move on. Like, you know, I think as, um, I don't know, sometimes, you know how you just need a wine or Yeah, you just want someone bit. to understand. Yeah, just, you don't even want someone to fix it. You just want a voice. You just want to someone listen. to listen. Yeah. yeah. When you're in close proximity with somebody for a long period of time, you get bored and snippy. It just yeah. happens. So, mm -hmm. and we understand that about each other and ourselves, fine. Eventually it'll get better. 
Yeah. My friend last week, she's like, you just got to give people grace where needed. You just got to give yes. people yes. grace where needed. Yeah. You just have some understanding about that and just say, okay, maybe you're just having a, you know, crappy day because you're, you're a little um, cabin fever, you know? Well, I appreciate you guys taking time to, to join this podcast. Uh, those all the questions that I had, and I, I certainly uh, appreciate you guys for coming on and, and being guests. Thank you guys. Well, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yes. All right, everyone. I hope you guys appreciated uh, some some words of wisdom from these local healthcare heroes. And then until that next time, bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to Tuesdays with Andrea. There are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and I appreciate you making the time to listen to mine. If you like this show and want to know more, check out TuesdaysWithAndrea.com or please leave a review on iTunes or drop a line in the YouTube comment section. Until next time, please stay kind in your mind, nice on the web, and stay hella hopeful in your heart.